Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is documentary photographer and conceptual artist based in Brooklyn, New York City, and of course, Baltimore, Isaiah Winters. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm so pumped. This has been on the calendar for a few weeks <laughs> now, so I'm glad that we're finally able to chat. Yeah, uh, and and that's really what it is. It's it's a chat, um, and you know, as we talked a little bit before I pressed, literally seconds ago, before I uh, pressed uh, play and re- record it all, we were just talking about just Baltimore. You got that vibe in in your work, so not to rehash, but feel free and to to put that message back in there. But for those who are um, undipped, uninitiated, describe your work. Right. Exactly. No, I I um, I wanted to. Note that I'm I'm glad that you you uh, brought that back up because yeah it's not a it's not a rehashing it's kind of Baltimore to me is has been home for about eight nine years now um, and I feel like this city what I've noticed in my work and and as you mentioned I like to do a lot of documentary photography I do a lot of architectural work a lot of play with light and color um, I got my start because of the city of Baltimore you know I was walking around just wanting to learn more about the city and and its people and just capturing these moments of everyday life that really stuck out to me. Um, so kind of before the whole influencer game and everything like that started, that's kind of how I got my start and not too many people know that, but I, there just weren't many people walk around taking photos of everyday life uh, here in the city. Um, and being here throughout that time, you know, working with the B, being part of the Be More Creatives, working with them as in my teammates, um, and also just the photography work that I've done, I've really focused on trying to offer a counter narrative to what's normally assumed about Baltimore. Um, I mean, we're a city full of a ton of different neighborhoods and there's a lot of different issues. I feel like every city has its things that they're working on. But with Baltimore, we kind of get a lot of attention, as we were saying before, once you know, there's some negativity that 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 comes back up or something happens in the news and, and all of a sudden the cameras and everything are fixated again, not really mm-hmm. taking note of all the amazing things that are going on in the city, you know, on the day to day and all the artists um, and creatives and organizations and nonprofits and everyone just trying to do what they can to help us, you know, as a city continue to thrive. So for me, you know, my documentary work, I'm moving into some more conceptual work, some more motion picture work here soon. And a lot of that is just my basis is here in Baltimore. Um, it's it's going to stick with me no matter where I go. Just that that hustle mentality and that that whole notion of having to get your own story out there because you can't always rely on the media to um, to show all those different aspects of the city, you know. So, yeah, it's just been it's been an honor to be accepted here and to um, be able to work here and just collaborate with some of the best, you know, out. Yeah. That's, it's interesting, like, um, kind of touching on like how maybe the news covers things and the, the I guess the way that a camera works, right. <laughs> you know, there, there's a limited, limited, uh, viewpoint there. It's like, this is what you're choosing to capture. And, you know, being here, like I've always lived here and I'm a lifelong resident and, you know, you kind of see things and I, I've, I've never been as super like demonstrative about it up until right. I had to be exactly. like, you know, I, I was, I went to Morgan, a lot of New Yorkers there, a lot of like DMV and we had that weird relationship too. Mm-hmm. And, um, weird shots. And it's like, you're, you're choosing to go to school here. So really is it dangerous? Like, or, or these goofy questions, like, is it like the wire? It's like, literally. Yeah. you're here like yeah um 
So for, for you, you and so how long have you been in your practice creatively? Right. So I have been shooting professionally now for about seven, eight years. And I'd say most of that time has been here in Baltimore. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with a few commercial clients and do some different work throughout the country and a little bit of international work. But yeah, my basis has been Baltimore. Um, I was shooting what most people believe was full-time, but I was actually still in the Air Force um, stationed at Fort Meade NSA down the road um, up until 2017. So through much of that time, I kind of split my time. You know, the day job was my my military side of things. And then when I got home, you know, it was photography. And for me, event photography and working with a lot of um, nonprofits, you know, events, nonprofits started by women, women of color. Those were the people who really gave me a shot Um, because my, you know, I don't shoot a lot of event photography now, um, but all of the the basis and and a lot of the things that I learned um, that set me up to move more into my fine art and, um, you know, editorial practice was, you know, those those events and those, those small gigs and just, you know, learning through repetition and, and practice. So yeah, the city's been incredibly um, beneficial to me. I just, yeah, I can't even <laughs> explain it. It's like, I don't, I don't know what an Isaiah Winter's artistic practice or photography practice looks like without Baltimore. Like I, that's an interesting question to think <laughs> about, you know? So you, you touched on the Air Force. Let's let's talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit. Um, that that career shift. How how was that? Like, um, yeah, yeah. It was it was tough. So I I was I was a linguist. I was there until 2017. Um, as soon as my time, I, I finished serving. So a lot of people are confused about this. Once if you don't go the full 20 years in the military and retire, um, mm-hmm. you separate. So I had a six year contract. I finished my six years after undergrad and then I separated. So I did about six, I'd say about four or five months. I traveled cross country, packed everything up, um, hit a bunch of national parks. Um, I was in Northern California, uh, California, Oregon, Washington, just traveling around and really just trying to reconnect with like what it means to be a civilian. Cause you know, military side, it's a whole different set of rules and and regulations and everything. So I had to kind of, you know, let, let go of that a little bit. And then for me, it was more about figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to make this a full-time transition? So I'd say mid 2017 until around 2019, I was actually working for Yelp. I was working as a community manager here in Baltimore. And that was kind of why I took that position because it allowed me to champion small businesses and local businesses and, and um, creatives kind of doing cool things in the city and find ways to work that into, you know, this big corporate entity that is Yelp, but they have a very specific um, community um, department that was just focused on that, just like community building um, and support. So during that two year period, once I was out of the air force and working for Yelp, focusing on marketing and advertising, that was when I really um, started preparing myself to, go back to graduate school, started getting my organization and everything under control. Cause I'm sure you know how important that is. And yes. now I can't live without my calendars and alerts and, you know, notifications and all that stuff. But like, I think that time, that two year gap, once I left the military, um, set me up to know, okay, you have to be, you have to be driven. You have to set goals. You have to really be independent. Um, in a lot of cases, because there wasn't like a Yelp home office 
here with there in San Francisco. So yeah. I would do my work. Um, I work from home. So, you know, this whole shift with everything I've been working from home uh, for years. And it was more just about making sure that I set realistic goals and expectations for myself. Um, and that kind of all translated over for me. So now that I'm no longer with Yelp, you know, we had a great relationship transitioned away from that. Um, and I ended up taking a sabbatical to go work with Glacier National Park towards the end of 2019. And that was where I'd say I really made the shift to full time. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and yeah, long answer, but no, no. kind of working from, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird complicated track. And I know with a few of the other, you know, chats that I've done, that's something that people are interested in hearing because there's always this misconception of, oh, I didn't start in, in, in time or I'm, I'm getting a little bit older or, you know, I didn't go to our squad and do this. And I think there needs to be more more stories out there of people who don't necessarily take the traditional path. Like if there's something that you want to do, um, you can start whenever, you know, obviously there, you know, there are things you need and there are things that you have to do, but like, don't let that be an obstacle. And for me, it was for years. Like I really just didn't believe you know, that I could do it. It was like, I spent so much time doing this and that, and, but like, really it was only me stopping me, you know? Yeah. I, I think like this space that I'm in, like I've been podcasting for 12 years. And when I tell people that they look at me, it's like, why aren't you doing something else? Or, and I was like, <laughs> this is, this is my, my artistic practice. And I, right. and I take it and regard it as such. And also it is that, that period of always checking in and mm -hmm. like, the imposter syndrome is there. It's like, is this even worthwhile? And I think these conversations are always worthwhile and always interesting, right. but it's like, you know, really what is it? And then when you get, when I get to that space of, I am a damn artist and, right. you know, I'll just say it to myself and it's like, but am I too old to, to try to get out there and start it despite doing it since my mid twenties. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would look at the careers of not even people that are like similar, but just the careers of people that we know, like, you know, like Harrison Ford, I remember looking at the thing and it's like, he got started in his late thirties, like, right. like star Wars. He was like in his mid to late thirties. And it was a, it was like a fluke. Like he wasn't even going for it. You know? Right. So I think we, we put this weird kind of go, go, go. Now, if you're not a 10 year old prodigy and whatever your creative right. practice is, then you're a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And we need to kind of get away from that. I think, because you know, there are people who do things just at any time. And some people create their best work, maybe later in life, maybe 60s, 70s, or what have right. you. And it's like, here's something really dope that I created. It's like, oh, you did? Really? Mm -hmm. So for, for your for your creative practice, what draws you to a project? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I So my undergrad was in sociology. I graduated from uh, Salisbury University over on the Eastern Shore. So been in Maryland for a bit, grade school and college. But for me, I'm, I'm a big research nerd. I get caught up in all these weird social, you know, sociologically based <laughs> topics like education or, you know, religion and, and, and architecture and redlining. So I usually start a concept or I'll, I'll start to observe something. So just pay attention. And for me in Baltimore, it was really, like I was saying that I wasn't really seeing positive, beautiful images of the city, you know, of just everyday life. There are a lot of things going on and there were some artists making some beautiful, incredible work. But I think for Baltimore, for 
for that type of photography, you really saw that more in DC, New York, Philly, like it wasn't popping off the same way here. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more of a conversation of like, why is that? There's obviously beautiful things here in the city um, and then looking into the history. So then I kind of ended up down this rabbit hole of looking at the differences between East Baltimore and West Baltimore (laughs) over the last couple of decades and the rise and fall. And then you got things like white flight and and Baltimore County and the breakdown. So I really ended up down this weird rabbit hole of like, how did Baltimore city end up as Baltimore city? Um, And then for me, yeah, I, from that broad, from that like broad topic of what is Baltimore city, it's really, for me, I get caught up in these individual stories. So I love um, finding a narrative. I love finding just an individual who's doing something just out of the norm. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who's uh, a black yogi and he was one of the fir- first black men that I ever met that was out- outwardly practicing yoga. And like, he really inspired me um, to practice and try all these other things. And so he ended up being someone that I was fascinated with. We, we, we became friends and now he's a frequent collaborator, um, yeah. Justin Temple, shout out to him. Um, <laughs> but people like that, it just meeting interesting people who are doing cool stuff. That's just not, not, that it's not getting attention, but maybe I feel that I can do something different with it or I, my style can do something with it. And um, I think that's a conversation that a lot of people don't have as well. You are an artist. I am an artist. And, but there's, I'm not a podcaster. And I think, I think podcasting is such a huge (laughs) skill and like a talent. And it's fascinating to me, all the different aspects that go into that. And I think a lot of people, have a hard time realizing, well, if something is your passion or you're focused on something, that's not necessarily a weakness. I know that I have specific things in photography that I'm drawn to. Um, I can't go out and capture every single topic. So, you know, I'm not going to go out and get the, the, um, the show stopping, uh, you know, image like, like a Devin Allen or something during the protest. Like that is, that is his style. And that's, that's his thing. And like, my gosh, he just has an eye for that stuff, you know? Um, and I think for me, it was just taking time to slow down a little bit and like, mm-hmm. think about like, what am I interested in? Because I feel like everybody gets caught up in the trends and it's like, well, what's popular now? What's, and it's like, don't sacrifice your ideals, you know, don't sacrifice your interests for other things. And I think it was, for me, it was just being like, you know what, this weird niche cult, Q and not like whatever it is that I'm researching now and I'm down this path, like just go with it. It's fine. And like, I'll figure it out or I'll move on to another project. But um, I think, yeah, just allowing myself to take something I'm interested in and then kind of just run with it is always it. My projects always start that way. I have like a Google keep doc that to any normal person would look like something out of the Da Vinci code, but I open it up and I'm like, Oh, this is related to that. This is that. And like a lot of times I'll just open it up and then it'll spark something like, Oh, I forgot that I was even thinking about this. Um, So yeah, just making sure that like I either follow those paths or I immediately doc, write them down. And they've been saying that for, for what, you know, forever, you got a dream, get your dream journal. You got a thought, like write it down. Um, but for me, that's been the biggest, um, biggest thing for me in terms of steering work. Yeah. Um, and I, and I definitely get that and it resonates with me because like the unique stuff, like when 
it's it's funny. Like I'm I'm a business major. I work in IT and all of that stuff. But then it's just like I've always had this what satiates me and what balances me out is doing something creative. So, you know, I always joke that I was one of those failed art kids. Uh, I went to the school of the arts and it was just like, eh, we don't really know. And (laughs) I I kind of, I used to do comics back in the day as like a kid, like middle school. Me too. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, at going to Holland town, you know, one of the uh, teachers, they were like, Oh, you did this by yourself. And it's like, did every of the elements. And you know, out of podcasting and doing everything in a very self-contained, self-controlled way, I just had more confidence in myself to just try to do different things. So I don't really have the desire to try to draw. And it's like a skill that I didn't really take to that next level, but I have a sense of humor. I, you know, outside of this, I do two other podcasts and you know, my humor is definitely reflected in this comic that I'm now writing and I have hired an artist to do. And we do it. It's like me and my my girlfriend. We do a ridiculous cat comic, and it's about cat lawyers. And we have a good time writing it. And you she's can a never have enough cat related topics and media. <laughs> I I will send you. I will send you some. Please do. Stuff. I will. I will love it. I would love it. And it's it's like ridiculous and just doing it and and even going back to like setting it up like when I decided that I wanted to get into podcasting, I was like, what, what's the thing that interests me? Right. And I was like, what can I talk about that? It doesn't feel like it's work because when it feels like it's work, I don't want to do it. And, um, the, and, and, but feel like work, like this is, is work in certain terms of organizing things and things like that. But the actual doing part of it doesn't feel like right. work. It feels like fun. And so when I got into podcasting, I was like, what do I like? I like listening to the radio, I'm an audio file, like listening to the radio and hearing those weird, like goofy stories of mm-hmm. this happened in this random city. I was like, how can I just get a whole thing of that? And that became my niche. I like to cover weird news and pop culture. And exactly. that became the show I've been doing. And when I was thinking of developing this show and this show came, came about when um, uh, Trump was talking spicy to Elijah Cummins. Oh, wow. So that's why this show came out. Right. And I was like, what can I do? I was like, I can be mad and get black guy high blood pressure. Exactly. Or I could try to disprove it. And I rather disprove it. And it turns out that I'm decent at having conversations with people in the city. And I can tell, man. I mean, I was relaxed from the second second (laughs) we logged on, you know, that's a talent. It really is. Look, if for a photographer, if I schedule a portrait or a shoot with someone I don't know before the pandemic, that's like two hours and maybe we're only shooting for 30 <laughs> minutes. Cause you know, you're yeah. talking, you're trying to, you know, make sure people open up to you. So that in itself is, Oh my gosh, if <laughs> we need, we need like a podcaster at every, every set for every photography <laughs> shoot. That, right. Just like, just warm, you know, get, get people ready to go. So, Relax. So you, you mentioned like just some of the things that you're interested in from like, it seems if I were to maybe paraphrase, it almost Mm -hmm. like, like, like life, different pockets of life or what have you. And I want to get your, your take on this. Um, Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a black man in today's society? Oh gosh. It's a hard one. I know. (laughs) No, it's a hard one, but I'm ready for it. And I'm here for it. And I appreciate you asking it. It's, it's really hard. I mean, and I think if, People, if people look at my work, maybe I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to show Baltimore's beauty and I'm trying to do all these things, but I usually played it pretty neutral and pretty safe because, you know, there's always that argument of, 
I'm a black artist, but I don't necessarily always want my art to reflect the mm-hmm. fact that I'm black, or I don't want it always to be about that. Now, with the emergence of someone like Trump, and I think you covering pop pop culture, being a black man, being from this area, I think a bunch of us took notice of like something is off here, <laughs> something's different, mm-hmm. and something really bad is going to happen. And I feel like it almost was like I was compelled or pulled towards making work that leans more towards uh, speaking about my experience. And I think Mm -hmm. with my photography, that can be difficult sometimes because I'm really just trying to show frames of life, uh, moments of of life, you know, my photography should, and I want it to read as almost as though it's just like a frame from a still from, you know, a film just about life or a topic or like a specific, you know, moment in time. So with me, I think, as opposed to just reflecting how difficult it is to be a black man in today's society. I mean, I don't have to explain to you how hard it was with the, the Floyd, the, the video itself, first off, I mean, I avoided it as long as I could and I saw it by mistake. Um, and it was like, do I really, I really didn't want to see a public lynching that now the whole world has seen. Um, so that changed a few things. And I think, just having to respond to the fact that we've been speaking and kind of shouting about a lot of these issues and concerns forever and ever and our parents and our grandparents and everyone has been saying it just to come to the realization that people were just now being like, Oh, this has been going on. How absurd, how crazy. And it's like, it took everything that I thought I knew about friends and family and life and community and all of that. And it kind of shook things up a bunch because it was like, I don't need, you know, it was a weird sense where it's like, I don't know who to trust. Do I even <laughs> trust myself when it comes to create? Like, do I even want to make work right now? Right. Um, it just was one of those things that could have defeated, you know, it was almost like defeating in a, in a, in a sense. And I, I love that you mentioned the response to Trump talking to Elijah Cummings because that was another moment where it was like, oh, no, like you're not you don't <laughs> yeah. know where this is. This is not D.C. This is not mm-hmm. a, like do not do that. You know, don't do that here. We, we really um, value and cherish our leaders here who are just trying to you know, they're fighting. They're trying to do the same thing. So I think for me, just acknowledging of where I've come from, where I am now, and the the little bit of platform that I have, just trying to use that in a way that turns attention towards some of these things. So these things that I assumed people knew about, you know, institutional racism and the yeah. fact that we're going to be treated differently in a restaurant, like th- these are not fairy tales. We're telling you yeah. these are real things. I think for me, it, it, it nudged me in a way where it was like, instead of just assuming that people understand everything, maybe I need to be a little bit more direct um, with some of my beliefs or some of my work. So less so, I mean, I've had a few projects recently that are leaning more towards that, but I definitely think the work coming out in 2021 that I've really been sitting with and like um, holding on to for a bit is is a lot more targeted. Um, And I think a lot more targeted and a lot more targeted to Baltimore specifically, just because yeah, I think I just don't know what else I would be doing. And I don't know what else I, I don't know what else I would be doing that would have a bigger impact right now. I think, yeah, I think just the city um, deserves, deserves it. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it's interesting. Like 
I, I, like, you know, what, what I aim to do and, you know, the stuff that I do is be able to critique stuff and be able to have like, you know, I always can find something that's rough and get right. humor out of it somewhere. That's, mm-hmm. that's a skill that I try to cultivate and I'm okay at it. So I remember when like Freddie Gray went down and me and my co-host for this, the show we were doing, uh, called Metrocast and it was just like we we're both named Rob and it was kind of like just two guys named Rob and <laughs> it went through three different name changes it was called Two Rob Crew and then um, Extraordinary and it just had different names and eventually we settled on Metrocast and that was the show where we were kind of covering this like Trump ascent and you know I was looking at it one way and my co-host was kind of just like nah it's not going to happen nothing's going to happen with this I was like are you sure And I remember we were doing a podcast and we both got somehow we both got either a new message or something that hit our phones at the same time we were wrapping up the podcast. And it was about Freddie Gray and that the whole situation. And, you know, at at that point um, when it had first went down and I was just like, nah, that's not anything different. I was like, it's odd that we're getting the message here. And I was like, I don't remember who sent it or whatever, but it's just been like this cycle of in a way that I've described it is when you see these things on video, mm-hmm. uh, these racially imbued acts of terrorism uh, <laughs> on video, you, you almost want to believe it's a film. It, it's it's right. that it is shot in such a way. It's like, this isn't real, right? We don't do right. that. Like how? Yeah. How? And then how it's like, oh, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, you know, you try to navigate through these things. And, you know, I'm a six foot four, 300 pound black man. And I have to remind people of this, like, you know, I, in an office environment, usually I'm working with people who are different from me, uh, white women, a lot of times. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be the tallest person in there, largest person in there. And I'm very uh, cognizant of that. So when the notion of threatening black guy comes up, right. I'm, I'm aware of that. So whenever I have a meeting, I'm sitting down. Right. Uh, and I have to do those different things. And these are these small things that we don't really talk about because when it's presented, we have a, a habit of switching the conversation to another thing instead of looking at multiple things at one time or looking at the elephant in the room because it's painful. Yeah, it really is. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I think, yeah, I feel like just through the industries and and the fields that we're working in and the arts in general, um, that tends to be the case where we're the vast um, minority in a lot of cases. And and yeah, I think that's, that's just been tough. Mm -hmm. You hit it, you hit it right on the head where it's like, it's, it's, uncomfortable to even discuss a lot of these things because as I was saying, like, I don't, are people going to even believe me? Are we going to even do anything about it? Is it worth just making myself seem vulnerable, which we all, we all are. And I think expressing those things um, more normally is overall going to be a better thing, but yeah, it's just this whole notion that we're always playing with. And then you got, you got the boys and you got double consciousness and like, we're always (laughs) flipping, you know, yeah. the ways that we process and interact with other people. So I think with Freddie Gray and, and I was out there just to document some of that. And really, I didn't really go out until it was the peaceful protest. And then when CNN and all the other networks mm-hmm. came in, 
to kind of still get a little bit more of like, oh, well, look at the CVS. Well, look at that. And that <laughs> I, I will never forget that day where I am looking, my camera's turned at one of the CNN film crews and like everything's peaceful and calm. And then like two people just start getting, you know, riled up in this crowd of hundreds. And then they're just go, go, go like this, like, yeah, you get, know, it. <laughs> like get them, get them, get them, get them. And it was like, oh my gosh, they're, documenting us as though Baltimore is like some kind of zoo and they're yeah. just here to document the chaos. And it was like, no. And obviously this isn't a new notion of people needing to have their own story and have their own documentation. I mean, it's the reason the civil rights movement started and, and took traction and the feminist movement, and all these different movements. I think there's so much power in us as black creatives, black men, black women, people of color in general, just different, different marginalized groups being able to tell their own stories in their own neighborhoods and their homes and get that out there because, you know, the status quo is not made for us and all this stuff is not made for us. You know, we can sit here and say, Oh, standardized testing is, is, but like, well, look at everything. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is made for us. Um, and so, yeah, I think just at least I know Freddie Gray started me on that, that journey. And then, with Floyd, it kind of just snapped something to me where it was like, I can't tolerate anymore, tolerate right. it anymore. I can't be that quiet guy. And, you know, I just can't not say anything. Um, it's too, it's too like insulting and painful on so many levels, you know? Um, and the fact that this is documented right here, you know, eight plus minutes, clear 4k. And I say this to everyone, 4k footage. We watched this yeah. man go out. Um, and then people still, be well what did he do well he should have just paid attention with what we just saw with yeah. the you know with the insurrection it's like this is what we were saying it doesn't matter what he did um he was never going to be treated with the respect um and concern that he you know deserved yes so, yeah i think that these conversations are going to continue to happen and i i love that there are it, there just seems to be so many people s stepping up to this moment and not that people weren't before that, but I think just in the same where I was like, well, maybe I, I know that I leaned away from some of these topics. Yeah. Now it's like, I, I don't really care. This is what I care about. Um, yeah. And like, if people don't like that or it's too political or whatever, then like, that's fine. Um, I, you know, I appreciate the, the, the support in the past, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving. So, I, I'm uh, on, I was on that wave of hitting my, like, it'll be at the end of the month, it'll be 12 years. And when I got to that whole period, I was like, all right, let me do a tour. Let me start doing guest spots and all of that stuff. And I've had certain podcasts hit me up. I literally do a, a comedy podcast about dick jokes. And <laughs> I, I, I've had, you know, guys, yeah, once I started doing this and being very kind of picking a side, not saying I wasn't picking a side, but being very like, no, if you got a question, this is what it is. I'm a black man and this is how I feel. Right. And I got deemed, oh, you're a little radical or you're a little, and I was like, ah, I appreciate it. And enjoy your neckbeard podcast. I'll continue yeah. saying things that are real. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is, and I think I already got the answer, but mm -hmm. maybe um, uh, make it a bit more concrete. Right. Just for those in the back, what's your take on the role of photographer doing political uprisings and social justice movements? I think that it is so necessary, but I 
caution people. And I've, I've said this, I'm currently in grad school. I don't even know if we touched on that right now, but I'm in my photography cohort. And in around the time that George Floyd happened, we were just starting up. We started in the summer of 2020. Um, so we had these discussions and they were hard conversations. Um, and I am one of two black men in my year of my cohort. Um, and yeah, it's an arts, it's Parsons, it's an art school. So there's not going to be many of us to begin with. So they were very hard conversations. And when these topics would come up and my classmates would ask me, I would say, I'm fine with people documenting, make sure you know what you're documenting, mm -hmm. what purpose it's going to serve. Who are you? And not to say that people can't, people who are white can't go out and document black struggle and black protests and all these things, because some of the best civil rights photographers we're white men, Jewish men, you know, you have, you have like a photographer like Danny Lyons, you have all these people, you have people working with Gordon Parks and others back, you know, there's so many ways that we can get tangled in and who is, who is this, who's able to represent that. But I think with social media and with all the different things going on now, there's this constant rush for people to be, to just be shocking or to have that next big shot or have that next big moment and it's like you really have to as a photographer and especially as a documentary photographer i know i get caught up you know in the weeds and just sitting ruminating on this stuff because it's like am i the right person to am i even you know justified in telling the story is am i am i trying to steal someone else's narrative because you know the number one thing that upsets me is people being offended on my behalf or trying to tell stories you know on my behalf without even asking yeah. you know how I feel about it. So I love the, I love the emergence of not even the emergence, the democratization of like, you know, photography and shares and, and, and information getting out there to the public. But I, I'm, I lean on the side and maybe this is the more conservative side of things is be careful because there's a lot of response. You know, it's like what great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I'm a comic guy. I'm a Spider-Man Spider forever. <laughs> I live and die by that same phrase when I go out and I take an image because you never know what that'll be used for. And aside from that, there were so many protesters who were arrested mm -hmm. from images of social media photographers and yeah. media photographers going out there not realizing you're not supposed to show people's faces like that if you yeah. don't have some type of consent. And you can make the argument that, oh, it's a public space. But think about that power. You, through no even thought or care now someone who was maybe protesting on a side that you agree with is is in jail or they're going to be fined um so yeah there's a lot that people need to think about and i think social media is toxic we know it is but we all have to use it yes be careful with what you're sharing out and i i i got some of the best advice of my life from a photographer i really ex uh, respect his name is toots and he's up based in, in new york and he's been doing covering the bronx and women of color and portrait, like he's just, this guy is the best. And I met him early on in my career and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still call him a friend and a mentor. And one of the things that he taught me and, and I stick to is a lot of photographers say it, but like really practice it. When you get an image that you like, or you get something, sometimes you just have to sit on it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just post everything as soon as you're getting it. Sometimes those correlations don't come right away. And sometimes you don't even realize what you have right away. And I think that some of the images that have come out with these protests and others and things that, you know, certain things that have come out, I think if those photographers were 
had more time to think about it, maybe they would have made a different decision. Um, or maybe they would have represented things differently, or at least had some type of cultural, I don't want to call them like a cultural liaison, but just yeah. some context for what it is that you're capturing, you know, yeah. um, because there's nothing more cringe than you just got people going into neighborhoods that they don't know anything about and they're watching the wire and they're looking <laughs> down at their phone, you know, and it's like, what are you actually trying to do here? Because what you're telling me you're doing without telling me is you're trying to capture stereotypes and you're trying to capture just all these complicated things without any type of understanding of it. You know, I, I remember, um, you need a cultural shirt, bro. I wanted to get that in. Uh, but also, I, the, the the podcast I was referring to earlier. So when they had the uh, the the situation there at Oriole Park in that whole area, right? Um, it was interesting because my co-host he was down there at the game, and he's like, "This is what happened." He was like, "I don't give a shit what the city paper posted." Oh, I, I lived like, across the street. Yeah, it was a lot different. Yeah, and um, he was just like. He's like, I told someone my hands are ready to eat. Everybody can get them. And he's like, that's what it was. He's <laughs> like, this is, he's like, these angles are really weird. And uh, it, it was, it was funny because stuff was coming out real time and faster than the news outlets where he would get it out there. Right. So it's like, yeah, who's going to be held accountable for, for this? Who's delivering this for traction and so on. So yeah. leaving from that, I got a few, few last questions here. Um, so let's see. I want to hit your, what, what do you, if you have one, mm -hmm. and, I've, and I've heard this is a thing, what is your most useful, and I think you already said, I think you, you, you referenced uh, Toots and, and with this, but what is your uh, photographic mantra? Oh, man. Oof. That is, that is a tough one. I would say, yeah, I guess I sort of touched on it, but I think... For me, Joel Meyer, Meyerowitz, so this is another, this is a 1970s photographer, and he actually has been shooting color film for a while, white dude, he's in his 70s now. Mm -hmm. He had a, a huge reemergence around the time of 9-11, where he went into Ground Zero, and a lot of those famous images, those color images, were taken by him that day. Oh, wow. Um, and he was just, yeah, he's just a documented photographer, everyday photographer, was just out and really was able to capture, like, this is what is happening regardless of what you're seeing, you know, on the news. And for him, I've recently, you know, the pandemic has opened up this weird thing where now people are a lot more accessible in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so I got to watch uh, a Instagram live that he did, which I would never, you know, he's in his seventies, you know, I'm, all these people are getting hooked up and it's funny because they had like, there were technical difficulties and stuff and like, but they got it all worked out. And one of the things that he said is when he's going to capture an image that like, he knows this is what he wanted to capture it's not necessarily a thing of like, all right, my settings are right. Everything's right. It's a, it's a feeling and it's cheesy and it's weird to anyone, you know, that doesn't shoot photography. But for me, when I take an image, if you look at a photo and it's on my, it's on my feed or it's on my website, I was literally holding my breath when I took that image. <laughs> and it just, it's almost like you get things set up and then I'm waiting for that like perfect Zen moment where like you just feel it Yeah. in that second, there's no hesitation. And, you know, that's kind of, he bolted down to like, yeah, he, he, he gets this like swelling of him, you know, he was much more poetic with it, but it's essentially one of those things where like, I don't take an image. And this is a, this is a fact that I don't think I've ever shared. If I'm in a portrait setting or I'm shooting with people and I go to take an image and, and it doesn't feel right. 
I will still, I'll, I'll do the three, two, one. I just won't take it. And like, we'll go again. So like, for me, it has to, you have to feel it. And like, it's not even like, Oh, this minute I'm feeling it. Like I'm inspired. It's like, it's like a split second thing um, for me. And I think it is for a lot of photographers. Photographers don't, it's weird because people don't talk about their process and everything, but we're, we're so superstitious and we're so (laughs) particular, you know, you look at baseball players and athletes and they got, you know, they're rubbing their chain and they're doing all this photographers and artists do the same things. We just do them in different ways, you know? So like, yeah, I have a weird thing where I'm just like, everything has to just be perfect. And like that breath is held and then it's done. And then I'm just, you know, relief. It's a little Nomar Garcia par there. And right. uh, it, it also sounded like the thing when you watch a, a, a film, a movie version of like a, what a sniper does. It's like, right. yeah, it's like, up oh, and I'm going to take and bang. It's like, and oh, no, oh, oh, wind's off. Right. <laughs> and then you go, you get up and walk. I've, I've gotten into the process like I'll get it. And I shoot on film. So it makes it much easier because it's so expensive. I'll take it. And then I don't even let myself second. It's just like, it's done. You got it. It's done. And sometimes I didn't get it, but like, you know what, following that mantra over the last few years, when I get a rollback, I'm like 70, I'm like 70, 80%. Like I got what I needed. And when I was shooting, did you, you know, and you're shooting a hundred pictures of the same thing, mm-hmm. you're getting like a 10%, you know, cause it's yeah. like, Oh, this could be perfect. That I got to, and it's just like, no man, just trust yourself. Right. And just do it, you know. Trusting your talent. We uh, all have it. Yeah, we have it. Just trust it. So this is the last question that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, you know, I don't want to say just number one, because that's right. going to be a hassle. Um, what are, let's say, maybe three of your favorite areas to shoot in Baltimore? Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a really good one. I love to shoot... Gosh, and this has changed a bit because I'm thinking about the pandemic and I'm like, gosh, I haven't really gone out to a lot of places. One of my favorite places to shoot is probably the Greenmount West area with all the, you know, there's so much graffiti, things like that. Just the the architecture with the mixture of, you know, you got your trees and everything. I love that mix of city um, and like the outdoors and nature at the same time. Um, so I like to shoot over there. North Ave has to be one of my favorite places <laughs> to shoot. There's just always something going on uh, yes. around North Ave, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's lively. And even when this, you know, even with the pandemic and everything going on, like it's just busy. And I love that. And I love just life, the, the feeling of there being life downtown doesn't really get as that busy. So I wouldn't say that I shoot downtown all that much. Let's say for my for a, one more one more place, um, you know what the area and this is still North Ave, just way way in a different um, location near Baltimore Cemetery, yeah. and I think that's one of my most recent posts. But like, I think it's a mixture of, of different factors. I love just seeing Black people out and about living their lives and not necessarily um, kind of catering themselves to other demographics it's just yeah. like people out just chilling um you got a lot more of the like bodega like setups out there which reminds me of brooklyn and that homey feel as well and that sense of community like i don't think people understand how much community is built and you know some of these locations some of the these corners and whatnot and i think it's an unfortunate reason but i find i just am so drawn to old signage um and businesses and I love shooting over there, but I also hate it because it's, I have, you have all the old signage and businesses and 
boarded up things because of the shifts from, you know, all these, for all these number, you know, these different factors, a number of reasons. So for me, I love capturing that because I want people to see it and I want people to see why it's like beautiful, but not at the same time. Um, and I want people to understand like what is going on in these areas as opposed to just what they see on the wire. So kind of a mix of locations. I like Mount, like Mount Vernon is where I go if I just want to be, I don't want to say lazy, but like, if I just want to stroll around and like practice, take a picture, you know, there's always going to be light hitting, but it's designed that way. And like, that's who lives, you know, Mount Vernon is kind of Mount Vernon for a set reason. So yeah, a bit of that. And then sometimes I'll go into the County. Sometimes I'll mess around in like Dundalk and stuff too. There's a lot of old businesses and whatnot um, just outside the city that I like. Well, that's, that's great. And some of my favorite areas to look at. <laughs> so um, I like to give every guest uh, on this uh, podcast a chance to shamelessly plug your website, your uh, Instagram, nice. uh, feel free. So the floor is yours. Yes, I appreciate it. Um, so y'all can find my newish work. I mean, I gotta, gotta update it, but my website <laughs> is www.isaiahrw.com. So it's I S A I A H R W.com. And that's the same exact spelling for my Instagram. So it's at Isaiah RW. Um, you can find me there. I'm also at the be more creatives, um, for people who aren't familiar with that account as well. And that's just the be more creatives. Um, we're over on that side doing more community-based uh, work and, and, and shares and whatnot. But yeah, that's, that's kind of me. That's where you can find my work and please feel free to reach out. I know, um, things are weird now, but like people DM me, if you have a question about a certain film or a camera, like I love, I love that. I eat it up. Just let me know. I'll help you find your, your dream camera setup. Um, so yeah, check me out in those places. So that's it. Um, I, I'll do my sign off um, for Isaiah Winters. Thank you for coming on to this podcast. Thank you for having um, me. This has been getting to the truth in this art, saying that there is art anywhere, photography, everywhere in Baltimore. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm.